0: Serious allergic reactions may occur. Trimphia may increase your risk of infections and lower your ability to fight them. Before treatment, your doctor should check you for infections and tuberculosis. I know how to run a hair salon, but for small business insurance, I chose my State Farm agent. She's a small business owner, too, so
2: she knew how to help me personalize my policies. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to an agent today. All right, welcome to Bet the Edge. I'm Jay Croucher here with Drew Dinsick. I'm back from northeast Philadelphia, Philadelphia group where uh, the dollar eaters kept on flowing uh, for myself (laughs) and Gary and Lawrence Jackson. It's the first time I've done uh, two hours of television while drinking throughout, uh, which is a lot of fun, but I'm glad to be back home in (laughs) Connecticut to talk some football with you, but we're also going to talk nba given the season kicks tips off so soon but let's start with mm-hmm. football uh what was biggest <laughs> from, uh, the biggest takeaway from Monday slate and we are recording this in the yeah. second quarter of sunday night football as got scotter to just run into the end zone
3: well you know what they say about Readers, jay you get what you pay for uh <laughs> the uh, the sunday slate so far, uh, leading into Sunday Night Football has been magical for me. Uh, I'm like I, I'm I, the only, uh, you know, serious took it on the chin loss I have on the card today was Lions. Um, otherwise, this was as good as you could ask for. Um, let's. I think it bear, it. It, it, it uh, behooves us to start by recognizing the incredible accomplishment of one Mr. Bill Belichick who wins his 300th game uh, as an eight and a half point dog. And actually, excuse me, seven and a half point dog. Patriots took a little bit of money into close. Yeah, not yeah. sure if you saw that, but there was mm-hmm. a pretty clear sign there that the Patriots were the sharp side. Um, and they not only was that really kind of a never in doubt cover, but a really, really impressive hard fought win for that team. Um, and the bills defense, kind of like we said, a lot of questions to be answered by that group. Man, oh, man, this, the defensive side of that, you know, Patriots, you know, they, they were stubbing their toes against the likes of the Raiders <laughs> and the Bills just made it look easy, for them, which is a bad sign, I think, for the, uh, you know, long term hopes of the, you know, the Bills competing in a very tough AFC. So that was kind of the uh, the obvious first place to start. And then uh, among the other morning games, the other one that had like especially, uh, you know, significant consequence the game that you ha- maybe had circled for the best game on the morning slate was Detroit Baltimore, and it was not the best game, Jay. In fact, that was a an absolute butt kicking. Um, and I think the the kind of key takeaway that shocked me, because again, I lost with the Lions. I had Lions money line. I thought they were going to compete in this game. Uh, they got blown out in the trenches on yep. both sides of the ball, which is how that team is effectively built. I'm going to chalk that up to this was their, you know, their one minus, you know, Z score game, you know, as you go through a 17 game season, teams are going to have two or three of these. And I think I want to just attribute that to like, hey, these guys weren't ready to play today. And the Ravens were and this was an absolute shellacking. Um, But uh, to see the Lions get beat in the trenches was pretty astounding because I thought that was where their strength was. I thought that was how, you know, they were going to ultimately, you know, stay in games when they were at an negative game state and uh and also uh you know be able to put away games and it was uh it was not to be Jared Goff with 53 pass attempts in this one uh he was wildly inefficient and uh I think uh you have to probably put Lamar Jackson as the third choice right now in the MVP race after Pat and Tua I think that's not crazy what do you think
2: yeah I think that's fair I mean Lamar's quietly been playing at a really high level all season. He's been undone by drops. He really now could be, what, 7-0. They like it's screwed at the end of the Colts game yeah. with no PI being called against uh, on the guy who was covering Zay Flowers. That should have ended that game. And then the fact they lost that Pittsburgh game was just an absolute mess. Uh, and that was somewhat on Lamar because he threw an awful pick. But that Ravens team has been building. And look, the building, book on yeah. Detroit, I think, is that uh, I mean, rightly or wrongly, the knock on them is that they haven't really beaten anyone. Even last year when they started 1-6, and six, their two big wins were against the Packers team that, to be fair, was playing pretty well by the end of the season. But it was still a Packers team that went 8-9 and nine in the end. And then the other teams they beat in that run towards the end of last year where they won eight of their last ten, Chicago, mm-hmm. Giants, Minnesota, Jets, Bears, again, Uh, they had a good win over Jacksonville, but that's when the Jags were scuffling a little bit. And now this year, they haven't beaten anyone outside of a one-point win over a Chiefs team that was missing Chris Jones, Travis Kelsey, uh, and had Sky Moore and Kadarius Toney dropping everything in sight. So, look, that's simplifying things because, you know, if you beat the Jags 40-14 to last year, if you're blowing out teams left and right uh, from the midpoint of last season, you're clearly not a bad team. But I think the idea that the Lions are in the same class as, you know, no one put them in the same class as the 49ers, but the, the, they could be right there with the Cowboys and Eagles. Sure. That really- was my
3: thinking heading into this game. And I don't know that I feel that way. But again, like again, I, I want to write it off to just this was a bad day for them. It sounds like you're yeah. more in, you're more inclined to lean into their their paper lines.
2: I th- well, yeah, I think that they're like a you know two and a half points better than your average team. I think okay. they're basically, I think okay. they're NS- NFC Jacksonville is what I okay. think they are. Where they're not quite at this That's level. That's not crazy. The I mean, well, the here's the other thing. Here's my big takeaway from the <laughs> slate today. Patrick Mahomes is just so much better than every other player in the NFL. It's unbelievable, Uh and the confidence just being heavily invested in Mahomes for MVP, just the confidence whenever he gets the ball that he's going yeah. to make the right decision. And sometimes it's not going to come off, but he just, he play is playing right now at a level that I can't remember many athletes full stop getting to. This is like watching, you know, Roger Federer in 2007 or whatever. Like he, is, he is just out of his mind. Even the bad plays, like his, his turnover today, there's an arm punt where he knows that he can throw it up on third and long, and if he gets caught for an inception 50 yards down the field, like, the upside of attempting that pass is just so much greater. Uh, he was magnificent today. He is, for me, getting pretty close to even money for MVP. We'll see what happens with Tour in this game, but... The fact that the Bills' defense just doesn't – it seems like they've just lost too many bodies with mm-hmm. White and Milano and Daquan Jones, and they already had question marks at corner and the D-line isn't what it was. The fact they let Mac Jones march down the field for a touchdown to win the game, let alone a tying field goal, <laughs> that's red flag. Uh, so yeah. I don't think they're in a good spot. The
3: Bills, no. Yeah. No, we agree. And, I, uh, and also Josh Allen looks hurt. <laughs>
2: Yeah, well, yeah. and Josh Allen, I just think the turnovers are just always going to be part of his game. And it's a little unfair because he is probably the second-best quarterback in the NFL, but just watching Allen and then watching Mahomes, mm-hmm. and Allen probably has better... Well, I don't know. Allen's weapons haven't been great so far this season, but certainly mm-hmm. you watch what Mahomes was able to do without Kelsey, and his numbers have def- deflated because of the drops, but just the plays that he was making that he could control versus what Alan uh, does with his cast, I don't think they're in the same tier. So okay. I think the big takeaway is that the Chiefs are the clear best team in the AFC until the Bills sort themselves out, if they even can. Uh, I think In the NFL. Was- <coughs> Sorry. <Yeah. laughs> well, we'll do <see> what the miners <laughs> do uh, tonight when you people are listening. Mm-hmm. They have their own question marks. They are- Before we move on, this is the other game I wanted to bring up. Just Cleveland and Indianapolis is one of the most bizarre games yeah. of football I've ever seen. Really interesting game theory at the end mm-hmm. with Stefanski uh, with the play calling because there wasn't much time left, but the Colts still had most of the, they had, I think all three of their timeouts at one point, it's only a couple. And as someone who is very invested in the Browns long term, uh, and also invested in Garrett, defensive player of the year and Garrett DPOY, which now looks great. Wouldn't it look so good if they'd lost, you know, 38-33 30, to the <laughs> goals? So I was very much hoping they would pull that out. And I was begging him, begging for him to run it every play at the goal line, particularly when there were 25 seconds left. I'm like, just run it twice. Just run yeah. it twice. Doesn't matter if you have no timeouts, you'll be able to get two plays off, two runs up the gut. Uh, and they do it on the second play, and Kareem Hunt just gets in, and that's probably the difference between you know them being a contender for their division and being you know close to dead in the water, given how good Baltimore look. But what do you make of Cleveland? What do you make of their defense, particularly after they gave up thirty eight points to Indianapolis?
3: Yeah, I, I need to rewatch that game. That's at the top of my list. I had a small play on Colts team total under, and that lost in the first two quarters. <laughs> and so I stopped watching that game, but every time I checked in I was like, man, what in the world is happening? Like uh I know that like the most important thing to figure out with the Browns is what in the world is going on with Deshaun Watson. Uh, if they are out there and the defense plays like they do today and they're, you know, have PJ Walker under center on the road, they're not beating the likes of the anyone else in their division. Like, sorry, <laughs> like they're not beating the Browns. I mean, excuse me, they're not beating the uh, the Ravens, the Steelers or the Bengals. Not with that offense. No, um, very one dimensional. And they leaned into it and that worked out for them today. But yeah, it was that was um Like, if you simulate games, you know, you're like, I'm going to go with uh, 10,000 simulations of this Chiefs-Colts game. I mean, you know, I mean, this suits me, this uh, Browns-Colts game. Uh, I think something like one out of 10,000 might have produced that game, right? And when you have that weird of an outlier of an an outcome, I almost think you have to throw it out to a degree. Um, Gardner Minshew's uh, ability to kind of really... Make the pass defense for the Browns look very, very, very average, I think is maybe the key takeaway because Gardner Minshew is not a good quarterback. Like, he is not as good as some of the guys they're going to have to face over the balance of the season. He's not as good as the guys they're going to have to face in division later this year. So, um, that is, I think, a big sign for worry. But I think for our purposes, the key takeaway should be Miles Garrett is on another level. Like, that was a superhuman performance by him. In the first half of the game, he had two sacks, two fumbles. One of them generated a touchdown, and he had a blocked field goal on to, to top it all off. Like, that was in a half of football. Like, yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous that he's able to uh, produce at that level. And I think, um, you know, his, he's going to give Parsons all he can handle in that race uh, going forward, unless the defense just falls apart because apparently there's cracks, which I didn't realize until seeing the Colts of all teams. Uh, Really, kind of under, you know, kind of point those out.
2: I think the thing with Cleveland is weird game. You you look at the names, uh, and they look like good names, but outside of Miles Garrett, it doesn't, it's like, hold on, how is this team historically great through six weeks? Sure. Whereas, Two weeks in, and we we're talking about the Cowboys as an all time great defense. And you look at the names there, it's like oh, Micah Parsons and DeMarcus Lawrence, the defensive line, Trayvon Diggs and Stephon Gilmore at corner. Like it made a bit more sense. Whereas with the Browns, it's like, oh, I guess I've always liked Greg Newsom. <laughs> <laughs> this amazing guy um, yeah,
3: that's a very good point. Yeah, Jeremiah. <laughs> yeah, Jeremiah Usu Cormoy That's a fun name to say. Yeah. I didn't know he was like all for all. I don't think yeah. he's all for all. Uh, but you're you're you know, you're absolutely right. Some of their cornerbacks are boom boomer bust and they busted today.
2: Yeah. No, I agree. I still think it's the best defense football. I think you throw it out to some degree, but also a bit of a red flag. And they're probably not the historical outlier that they were looking like through the first yeah. they're through through their first five games, the first six weeks of the season. Let's quickly touch on some of the openers we won't run through every single one of these, but were there any openers that jumped out to you in particular, uh, on the week eight slate?
3: Yeah, the week eight slate looks really, really competitive. There's going to be some fun handicaps here. Um, a couple of them that really, that immediately jumped out. Uh, I thought the fact that you saw the look ahead flip to Indianapolis favorite over new Orleans, uh, what,
2: yeah, that was Excuse the one. Me? <laughs> I don't I don't understand. That
3: was there a key injury in the uh, in the Saints game that I missed? Uh, because that does not look correct to me. And we, we we have we can we we can probably set aside and dedicate an entire episode to just trying to break down who the Saints are. Um, but the Saints have multiple ways they can beat you, and I, I really do not think that the Colts should be favored against that team. At, at least as long as and you know for the foreseeable future, guard, Gardner Mitchie is going to be under center, so that one is interesting to me. Um, Houston Carolina is a fascinating handicap. You have Carolina now changing offensive coordinator Thomas Brown's taking over the play calling there. Houston, both teams coming off of bye, and, you know, Houston in general has overperformed, you know, so far this to this point in the season with their rookie quarterback. And, um, you know, I think expecting CJ Stroud to cover three points on the road is not right. like that's pretty clearly do you have the stomach to back carolina and their new play caller um need to get a, some defensive injury information out of carolina before i jump in there but uh leaning uh leaning some absolute nfc south stinkers this week jay <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, it's gonna you know, be that kind of a week
2: <laughs> the two lines that jumped out to me with the two participants in you know, a pretty uh i guess it wasn't an awful thursday night football game but certainly wasn't the most well-played thursday night football game but the fact that the Saints, with extended rest against that Colts team, are dogs uh, is surprising. I also yeah. think the Jags should be more than uh, one and a half point favorites at the Steelers, who I guess got another win, but not convinced at all by Kenny Pickett <laughs> or by that team. Still, I don't understand how that team is four and two. Uh, it has to be surely one of the the weakest four and two teams that we've seen. So those mm. those were the two that jumped out to me. Uh, I think Cowboys minus five and a half. I would be shocked if that line stays under six mm-hmm. uh, as they play home to the Rams. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So those those were the ones um, that let down.
3: Can I ask you about uh, Pittsburgh real quick? So, um, if they beat Jacksonville, um, is, it, is that time to tweet the Undertaker gif? With my uh, Tomlin Coach of the Year take, because uh, how was he doing it, Jay? <laughs> this, well, this team's is- not good. And they won convincingly today too. Like it wasn't fluky. It really wasn't. I thought they were the better team. I mean, or at least I thought. Like I didn't think there was anything in the result that suggested this was like just a like a,
2: a wrong you know wrong result. No. Uh, the, the problem is, is that like the Baltimore and Cleveland wins were the wrong result. Yes, they were. <laughs> yes. And also, the, yeah, the, Ra- yeah, the, Raiders, the
3: Raiders' result was too, honestly. Like, the yeah. Raiders gave him that game too.
2: Here's the thing. I'm not sure how this will work in the discourse, but the reasons... And I agree. Tomlin, he's, he's alive now, certainly, because with Dan Campbell losing, yeah. it looks like, as we record, Mike McDaniel's probably going to lose. It's a bit of a weaker field overall. Uh, the reason why I'd be skeptical of Tomlin is... One, I still don't think the team's very good. I don't think they're going to win 12 games. But then two, I think the difference between Tomlin and say Dayball last year is I think that Dayball had you know, you could see his coaching on the field and the fact that they were yeah. making good decisions and had good play design and he fixed yeah. Daniel Jones yeah. and there were these things you talk to. I think people think the Steelers are just not very good and they're just kind of randomly winning games. Um, but there's time for that to change. And look, if they get to right. 12 and 5 people will be like, how on earth is this team when they're playing yeah. and they look like this, how did they get 12 wins? And then I think Tomlin would be very live. But, um, yeah, it's a big game against Jacksonville because yeah. he loses yeah. that, and he's probably... Yeah,
3: big game for Jacksonville, too. Jacksonville has extended rest for this one, and then they go into their bye week. So they're playing one game over the balance of, like, 26 days or something insane. Like, it's a really, really unusual schedule quirk for them where they're getting a lot of time to get right. Uh, the one other look at I wanted to mention is if you have an appetite for the Seattle Seahawks against the aforementioned Browns, who are a one-dimensional team and can really only run the ball and are going up against a very good run defense... I think you need to get in soon because two and a half is going to turn to three here in a matter of moments, if I had to say.
2: Yep. Yep. Let's see what happens as well with that quarterback situation. I mean, he was cleared to come back into Sean, but they seem to feel like PJ Walker was going to give them best you, chance to win the game.
3: Did you see the throwing before yeah. he went out? Yeah. Oh, my God. Why did they green light him in the first place? Yeah. Like he's, he's
2: not right. Yeah. Well, at least he can cast aside the idea that, you know, he was faking
3: it. Oh, clearly, clearly. No, but like, very messed up. We we got to, we did, we got to do a whole Browns deep dive at some point because, like, we saw the clips. I saw, they tweeted him out. Everything was tweeted out. Like, he looked terrible throwing in practice to the tune where I thought he was, like, trying to send a message to the coaches that he shouldn't. They shouldn't put him out there. They put him out there anyway, and he was terrible. So I do, do not understand what is going on there.
2: Yeah, very strange. All right, before we get to Monday night football, a reminder that this coming Sunday night it's an interconference clash when DJ Ooh. Moore and the Bears, the suddenly feel good Bears, travel <laughs> to Southern California. It's a battle. Of Justin <laughs> Herbert is kind of filled with bad vibes at the moment, and the Chargers. <laughs> Get ready for Peacock when coverage begins at 7 p.m. Eastern only on NBC and Peacock. It's difficult watching Justin Herbert today, cutting a forlorn figure on the bench, just kind of sitting there uh, built up by, you know, eminent competence <laughs> and solid quarterbacking play, but just not uh, the the deity on the other sideline, Mahomes.
3: No, I enjoyed you know, it.
2: That game uh, going one way, and, and so it did. <laughs> All right, 49ers, uh, perhaps the other best team in the NFL with yeah. the Chiefs, the seven-point favorites. At the Minnesota Vikings, lines bouncing around six and a half to seven. The news that McCaffrey is uh, likely going to play. So, if yeah. it's back towards a touchdown, the total is 43. Uh, are you concerned about the Niners after last week, or do you think that they, they get right and they blow out the Vikings? I see, So, I
3: guess I'm not, like, flashing concern, but I do think they're a bet against here. Yeah. And it's, you know, like – the entire there was an underlying theme to everything I played this week. And actually, I, but even before we get there, I should acknowledge for some reason, I have had a really, really tough time reading these Monday Night football games. I don't know why. I don't know if there's something specific about the, these games that it's just you, know, it's hitting me in my blind spot, but I
2: have too many Colorados with- on the Sunday, and then <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> I don't understand it, man. Uh, I think I've won one play on thir- on on Monday Night Football all year, and it was the week one under, and that was because Aaron Rodgers tore his Achilles. So I can't even really, you know, victory left that. Um, but this one, I think, is Vikings are passed, and the reason is really straightforward, which is that like we have had these two teams ratings drift, up, you know, it, Vikings to the poor. Niners to the good throughout the balance of this season and when this game was originally lined and they opened the market in the preseason it was Niners minus one right and so that was telling you you know any kind of preseason you know rating of the players available in this game I know Justin Jefferson's not playing and I know he matters but they have decent talent to backfill Justin Jefferson. And I still think that this Vikings team, particularly with Christian Derisaw, who I think is playing at a top three level, a tackle right now, that they can neutralize the pass rush of the Niners. And I think they can get their offense going in this contest. And so if they are having any modicum of success offensively, then they're going to keep this thing competitive. And I think that uh, is ultimately where I come down here, which is, do I expect the Niners to win? Yes. Do I think the Niners are the better team? Obviously. But like, this is a big, big spread for a team that's on the road that is now traveling across the country for the second straight week. Uh, they have a short week to prepare for a Bengals team uh, that is, uh, you know, coming off a of bias and they have already on record that they're planning for the Bengals game at the same time they're planning for this Vikings game. So, you know, you may get a little bit of a, uh, you know, kind of house divided in terms of, you know, what people are planning for here. And I think ultimately the the fact that the uh, Vikings defense coming into this season, they, I had them rated bottom five. Like there was very little hope that they were going to give you anything positive. And I honestly will tell you what I've seen from them to this point in the season has me upgrading that unit. Like they're better than I thought they were. Their young players that they are using, particularly in their secondary, are playing better than I thought they would. Their pass rush can get home at times. And I think, uh, you know, ultimately the Niners are going to be fine. They're still probably a one seed in the NFC. Any bets you've made on the Niners outrights coach, you know, you go know, Shanahan coach, Purdy MVP, uh, you know, the team in general being kind of a, an absolute uh, truck, I think is still relevant. Uh, but I also think this is one of those games where they get in and get out with a relatively narrow win, not uh, a blow them out type of effort. Uh, and I think, uh, you know there are two paths here for the Vikings to cover. One is they literally just play well enough out of the gate that this is a score and answer type of battle. And it's decided at the end stages, like every other Vikings game seems to be, or the Niners are up early, and then they got to put their guys on ice because they don't want they they have a lot of guys who are dealing with injuries that they need to stay healthy throughout throughout the season. Devo Samuel not going in this one, so you're a little thin in the wide receiver room. And I think that ultimately, uh, you know, the Vikings coming through the back door is also still relatively possible uh, with this big of a number. So Vikings plus the seven points—that's a bet for me. Uh, and uh, I think ultimately, that's uh, you know. Not my favorite play of the week by any stretch of imagination, but uh, you know I think that'll be a fun way to wrap up week seven.
2: Yep, I like the Vikings as well. Plus seven, that would certainly be the side that I'd be on. The defense, to your point, it's just solid. Like it's a solid middle of the pack unit after being pretty bad last year. I think Flores coming in has really changed that. Yeah. Um, seems like they've just gotten a little bit younger uh, and a little bit more. Explosive, and also I like with an underdog when you have a profile like this defense does of just blitzing like fifty yeah. percent of the time, just That's way true. more than else because just cre- just has to create more variance. If you're just sending more guys, more pressured plays is going to be uh, more variance for both positive and negative plays. And when you're the underdog, uh, you want to create that type of variance. I think ultimately why I agree that the Niners will pull this out. Uh, is just because the fact that the weapons for cousins, he, there's just there's just not enough behind Jefferson. I don't think KJ Osborne's that good. I don't think Addison's ready. hawkinson has been quietly kind of disappointing this season. Uh, so I think that ultimately they're just not going to have enough. They can't run the ball either. I'm not at some point it's going to flip from Madison to Acres. Uh, I would expect as Madison has struggled so much. And then on the other side, Debo out uh, is not ideal, but in a way, I think, of their four big guns on offense in terms of McCaffrey, IU, Kittle, and Debo, he's perhaps the most dispensable just because he is the guy who he he just... Sometimes you forget he's playing uh, because of the way that they use... IU is clearly Purdy's target. True, we can call Purdy (laughs) a big gun as well. uh, So, (laughs) Uh, I think between IU, Kittle, and having McCaffrey back, I was think just where this team is at in the season, that if McCaffrey wasn't ready to be useful, they wouldn't just throw him out there. It's not like a Deshaun-Cleveland situation where Cleveland really mm-hmm. needed to win today. They, the Niners can get by against the Minnesota Vikings without Christian McCaffrey. So the fact that he is looking like he's going to play and he is, you know, the, the popular discourse, which is almost a meme now, is the idea that running backs don't matter. Though they do. And the one who matters the most is Christian McCaffrey. Just Aye. looking at how the Niners the defenses they face, like you can't play zone defense against Christian McCaffrey because he just sits in those zones and he just destroys you with his ability as a receiver. So the fact that it looks like he is going to be good to go, I think will be very useful against a team that blitzes as much as Minnesota. could definitely see McCaffrey adding a lot of value through the air. Uh, And so I think the Niners will win, but I don't think they will win uh, by more than seven. All right. Before we get to the National Basketball Association, a reminder that the basketball season is here. There's still time to squeeze in your fantasy drafts. Get the Road to World Basketball Draft Guide, which includes all the rankings, player outlooks, and projections you need to win your league. Go to NBCSports.com to get your draft guide now and use code preseason25 to save 25% off and receive a $10 Fanatics e gift
0: card. Drew.
2: All right, we'll talk NBA all through this week, but we're going to start off with MVP and Rookie of the Year. Uh, Rookie of the Year, I think we're pretty aligned. MVP, mm. we might have a difference of opinion based on uh, mm. texting that we were doing uh, mm. the other night, but I don't think we agree. We disagree about the top guy, <laughs> I think Paul Yoke, is 450, Yana six to one, Luka Doncic, uh, in just the kind of seemingly just earmarked every single year, Luka Doncic must be plus six hundred for MVP, irrespective of circumstance. <laughs> Tatum seven to one, and Joel Embiid, uh, facing an uphill battle on a lot of fronts, is eight yeah. to one, and then you get to Curry and Durant, and then Shea is kind of the next guy, but uh, then you're starting to get to the long shot territory. So, what do you make of this market?
3: So. We do disagree a little bit just because I feel like this is Jokic to lose. Um, I think that the current state of play in the NBA makes this a big to lose, right? I've I, I, I really, really struggled to see how any type of guard or, or wing uh, can do in, enough over the balance of the season to um, make themselves more valuable than the likes of a Jokic or a Giannis or an Embiid. Um, Giannis and Embiid both have dings in their you know, in their case coming into this season, Giannis in particular, I think, you know, the degree to which he now shares the credit with, and, you know, Dame Lillard is, that's a factor. It is. He may ultimately clearly be the best player on the Bucks, Uh, But I think that in general, it's a it's a fragile team. I think they're going to lose regular season games that they should be winning in times because of how much they're trying to ask out of their seventh, eighth and ninth best players. Uh, and I think ultimately, uh, you know, he's there's in the back of my head a little bit of concern that he's already kind of peaked as a player and that people know that and that they will penalize him for that. So I think Giannis is a little bit of a, a second tier candidate and I think Embiid surely is a second tier candidate because he suffers from the same thing that people held against Jokic last year which is that he has done nothing in the playoffs. And so if that was all you had standing on, uh, you know, that that was your way in to this award to beat Jokic then and now he has a championship, best of luck. Um, Doncic is going to start the season with, you know, carrying an injury may not start the season so he's going to drift uh and i think Jokic. it's possible that uh you know denver's not really like clearly in the driver's seat wire to wire for the one seat in the west and so maybe there's going to be a by low point on Jokic. but i look at this as uh you know four man race tatum the outsider as a, as a fifth man uh and uh gonna end up bet- betting Jokic. Um, probably singling Jokic in this market, but I want to see if we can maybe get a little bit of a, um, somebody get hot early uh, and really kind of move into favorite status, you know, take that away from Jokic and then uh, maybe we get a better price on him.
2: Yeah. I'll give extended thoughts, but my summary around this market would be that, if Nikola Jokic cares about the regular season, I think he'll win MVP. And if he doesn't care, then I think Tatum or Giannis will win. And that's my tier one. I think Embiid between the Harden stuff, between the fact that he never plays 70 games in a season, so now he's only really got a few games of wiggle room to uh, on top of his typical absence, the fact that he was... Terrible at the end of the Boston series, uh, and was getting blocked by Al Horford and was getting pep talks from PJ Tucker in the last two minutes of game before being like, Wake up, Joel. Uh, meanwhile, the guy that he won MVP from, uh, is now made man, uh, yeah. and universally considered the best player in, in basketball, perhaps tier one by himself. And so I think that with Jokic, I just think he, one, he's the best player, uh, two, he's very durable, uh, unlike guys like Embiid and Giannis and Curry and Durant. So I think the durability aspect favours Jokic and Tatum over everyone else. But when I talk about not caring for him, I mean, he just won the finals, never been to the finals before. Does that make it – does he treat the regular season in a different way? And I don't buy the idea – like there's this popular idea that – Nikola Jokic just wants to you know, hang out with his horses in Serbia and doesn't care about the MVP. He absolutely cares about the MVP. Oh, yes, he does. He, if you want to see someone, I've, never, I've seen very few people play with the intensity that Jokic did in the regular season game against Milwaukee mm-hmm. uh, in the third last week of the season last year. He was going at Brook Lopez and Giannis uh, like it was game seven of the finals. And he was defending Giannis and taking charges. Like, he he was all in on that game. He definitely cares about that stuff. I'm just not sure if he cares for a duration of a season. Uh, okay. the, the way that you divide Jokic in terms of caring or not is just whether he chooses to score or not. And there is a chance, I think, that he's just like, oh, I'm just going to average 23 and 10. Uh, and that's me done. I don't need to push to average, you know, 25, 12, and 11 or whatever. I will just kind of take it back seat, really kind of engages the score late in games or in big games and you just won't have the profile overall for a team as well that is kind of lacking in depth and I'm not sure they're going to be the one seed again. Certainly, they're a dog against the field there. So those are the things working against Jokic, things working for him is that he's the best player and if he really wants it, then he can probably just get yeah. it. Uh, but Tatum, who I think he's the most interesting guy to talk about just because... The Celtics have the highest win total of everyone. They have, I think, the best chance, clearly, to just finish five, six wins in front of the league and be regarded as the clear best team. And Tatum is their clear MVP candidate. No one else is even close. But the refrain on Tatum would be that he's just not quite that good in a way, and he's better than Devin Booker, but in a way like Devin Booker is not quite MVP good. And that's why Devin Booker didn't get to win when the Suns finished eight games or whatever in front of everyone. My... Uh, counter to that would be that Jason Tatum just turned 25, so he can get better, and he has one area clearly as a playmaker where he can make strides, which I think will help the case. And then if you're like, well, there are, he's just not quite that good. Well, who are the, there's only three guys clearly better than him. Uh, Jokic we talked about, Giannis, who has got issues, as we mentioned, uh, and then Embiid, who's got even bigger issues. So I think, do you think, what do you think mm. the path is for Tatum to an MVP?
3: I'm against it just because I feel like there there are a number I guess I I I look I Gale your points are all fair. It is still true though that Jokic gets to play half of his regular season games with an enormous home court advantage. <laughs> like that matters, <laughs> right? And I think the fact that Tatum to me I don't think that people are dying to put him ahead of a lot of other candidates who could have a good season in the West, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant. Like if the, if the Suns run away with the one seat in the West Durant, I think beats out Tatum. If the warriors run away with the one seat in in the West, I think Curry beats Tatum because people just have anchored that these guys are better players than, uh, than Tatum is. And so until he, like gets and you know finals MVP type of recognition with the Celtics winning a title. I think that people are going to keep him on the outside of the discussion of a player who can be considered for the sport. That's just my gut. And if the Celtics are six wins clear of the field in terms of all NBA team wins, then I will eat these words. (laughs) But I think that there are too many other outs that he could be your second
2: choice. Yeah. And the thing like tatum has never played at an mvp level like he was 61 true shooting last year and that's the highest mark of his career at the same time he was a plus six EPM when he was 23 years old uh and he has room to get better so you're pretty it's difficult because jokic doesn't need to do anything he just needs to be jokic and and Giannis they don't need to do anything they just need to be themselves you, tatum actually needs to get better as a player and make a leap yeah. that we haven't seen so i get um the nervousness on that front, and that's why I agree. I think Curry, who you can get in the 20-to-1 type range, just Mike McDaniel sprints into the tunnel again, Uh, <laughs> and Kevin Durant in the 25-to-1 type range. Like, I don't think either of those guys are going to win MVP, but at those prices, I think it's a little bit big. Yeah. Let's get to Rookie of the Year because... Yeah. uh to tie up, or well, to tie up MVP, I think we both agree the best value yeah. on the board is just Jokic. Uh, yeah. I think that should be closer to plus 300 tops, and he's much bigger than that everywhere. Uh, and then those long shots, Curry and Duran are interesting, and, and I don't mind Tatum, it's not super exciting at the plus 800 that's out there, but yep. I don't mind him there. Uh, Victor Wembanyama is uh minus 145. Uh, for Rookie of the Year. If you shop Mm -hmm. around, you get closer to even money. Chet Holmgren's plus 350. Scoot Henderson is plus 450. Uh, And then Brandon Miller's 30 to one. Can you talk me out of my current idea, which is just that Weminyama should be minus 250?
3: No, no. Uh, The rest of the pool is dead money.
2: Great. All right. Well, I thought thought
3: the buzz, I thought the buzz was going to be louder after what we've seen from him in the preseason so far. Like you don't want to overreact, but like he clearly is ready to dominate at the NBA level. This is not going to be growing pains. Uh, I don't know what else you need to see.
2: I think it is more likely that Wembenyama makes the all-star team than it is, he loses rookie of the year. Yeah. Um, I think that's fair. On those kind of outcomes. I no. just think that it, the, the guy played at a level in France. I get that it's the French league, but you know there are ways to kind of translate this stuff now. And I think the level that he played at, I would just be stunned if with, I think this is purely a bet on health and then the 10 to 15% outlier mm-hmm. chance. Know, maybe he's just not that good and it's all been a lie so far, but I don't <laughs> think that's going to be the case. Uh, I think that, like this is a simplified way to view it and these markets are not very efficient, but like the points per game over-unders for Banyama and Chet Holmgren, I think Banyama in the market is like at 18 points per game and Chet's at like 12 and a half. And so why, are they, why were they neck and neck to win? And Banyama has more pedigree as a player and more upside and he's going to have louder numbers in other categories. Uh, so, yeah, I don't understand this at all. Uh, I think that... It's basically a bet on him playing like 52 games, and then that'll yeah. be enough because there is no 65 game requirement for this award. There's no one I even like as a long shot. Like, I just no. think it's I think it's Wembenyama, and if it's not Wembanyama, then I think it's probably Chet. I think Scoot Henderson is going to be very inefficient on a bad team and is going to be kind of damaging to winning basketball. And most rookies are, you know, it's not like Paolo was a huge uh Impetus for winning basketball last year, but I think Scoot is not even going to be at that level, uh, and so and then these other guys like Miller, Thompson, Whitmore, like they're just not going to win. Uh, it's the best that I can gauge. So for me, it's just Wembenyama and yep. Holmgren's the only other guy who I think can win, but he's no bet at the price.
3: Yeah, I think uh, if you get opportunities to get some stakes on Wembenyama throughout the season in the pick'em range, you do it every time you can. And then uh, we have a good laugh at how this was ever even a conversation.
2: Yeah. I mean, the, the play uh, it's a, it's a Wembenyama, Jokic, Mahom, Parley. Yeah. Uh, no, I,
3: th- yeah. And I think your point is especially fair in that it's more likely that he's a top 20 player. I think it's more likely he makes an all NBA team than it is that he loses this award.
2: Yeah, I'm not that opposed to that (laughs) idea, to be honest. Uh, I think that's neck and neck, Um, but certainly... Uh, I think All Star is, is very, very much in play. Yeah. Just watch the, and you know, it, you don't want to get too caught into like the George Pickens TikTok training camp uh, highlight catch stuff in preseason with Wenbin Yama. but mm-hmm. like people just don't do what he did in that preseason game to Andrew Wiggins, where no. he starts on the left baseline and just locks him up multiple times, then just devours his shot.
3: I don't like, was he, that even his top five highlight of yeah. him from the preseason?
2: Yeah. I mean, it, it's insane. I think he's going to be a, all D level defensive player. I don't think he's a defensive player of the year candidate just because I don't think the team's going to be good enough defensively. Uh, and he's still a kid, but I do think he's going to have a plus plus defensive impact. While then also, um, I don't think he's going to be super efficient on offense, but you don't need to be to win this award. And he's going to get his counting stats and the highlights. And he's going to be one of the greatest players of all time, <laughs> health willing. Uh, and he's going to win rookie of the year, barring a catastrophe. All right we are done don't forget to check out mbcsports.com for more information to help you with your wages thanks to those watching on the NBC sports youtube channel if you're listening to us in podcast form don't forget to rate and subscribe and a reminder to find all your favorite NBC sports shows on amazon music just head to amazon.com mbc sports am jay croucher and drew dinsig we'll see you tomorrow